Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. And I want to give you a little history about this card. We got this never again card. What year is this? What, what, what year are we living in now? What month is it? September. Well, back in September of 1980, how many years ago is that? <laughs> Amen. September 1980. Uh, I got born again in January of 1980. I started going to a church that they believed in God, believed in Jesus. They believed in the Holy Ghost. And a lot of things. They didn't teach a lot of the Word of God about things like what I'm teaching here today. And so anyway, I began to pray for a church that had a pastor that would teach the Word of God. Like I, I was hearing people on the radio teach back then, like Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Charles Capps. People that were teaching a very strong message based upon the Word of God, not upon religious traditions and how they felt. But what the Word of God had to say. So I, I was listening to those strong faith teachers on the radio and uh, the Lord led me to a Word of Faith church in Indianapolis. Matter of fact, the first one there was, because uh, that's what we are. We're a Word of Faith church. But anyway, I went there. I remember my first time in the service, our pastor handed out this exact card. That we printed these up for our church, but card just like this. He was teaching things like I teach here all the time about our mouth and our faith and our words. And God moved in our lives. And he kept those on a little table that was in a storefront building. And he kept those on a little table there all the time. And people took those all the time. And we began to read these with our Bibles. And began to say what these verses said about our lives. And that was really the beginning of a big change in my life. Of Jesus on my inside getting on the outside. Based upon this very card and these words. I didn't change anything on this card because it's Bible. The only thing changed is the church. We're not Word of Life Church. At 62nd Nelsonville Road in Indianapolis, that's where I started going to church at the Word of Faith Church. But this church, as a matter of fact, how many here saw my best friend Gary Regis when he preached here this summer, him and his wife? Well, I was talking to Gary last week. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to teach you on those Never Again cards Sunday. And he said, wow. He said, tell your congregation. I preached in three different churches recently in Indianapolis. And so that's what I taught that message off those cards there. He said, after all these years... So that impact that had on me back in 1980 has stuck with me. I said, yeah, me too. And so as a young Christian, when I got these, I was a truck driver. I'd carry one in my shirt pocket all the time. And if I had spare time, I'd pull it out and look at it. I'd read it and talk about it because it's the Word of God getting into my heart and changing my thinking. Begin to change how I talked and change my life. And so I just suggest that women carry these in your purse, one of these cards in your purse. It's the Word of God, a simple form that you can read and you can say out loud. And men, carry this in your pocket. And uh, how many here, when you get bored, pull out a goofy little thing called a smartphone? I call it a dumb thing sometimes because it steals your time. Well, that makes you dumb, I guess, if you let it. But, you know, I got one four-point back at me, too, so I've been dumb too many times. And so that wasn't too smart. But anyway, what I did last week when I was had my wife print these up again. I took a picture of it, and now on my smartphone, I've got a picture of this card on my smartphone, as if I'm tipped to look at goofy Google or slanderous Facebook, gossiping Facebook, hurt your life Facebook. If I'm tempted, I can look at this card on my 
smartphone now. So now I think my smartphone's getting smarter. Because I got smarter. And so anyway, I'm telling you, we're going to teach off this today. I don't want you to listen today. If you don't like things in your life right now, then this is one thing you can do that will help you turn things around in your life. And I want to say it again. It's not my opinion. We're going to look at the Word of God. And how many believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Is God talking to us. Amen. Well, as we look at the Word of God, just get past looking at the messenger and look at the message of what God has to say. Amen. And so Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. And when I read this, you could say either amen or oh my. <laughs> okay. It says, thou or you are snared because of what other people put on Facebook. You're snared by what your parents say about you. You're snared by what your ugly husband or wife says. No, you're snared by the words out of your mouth. You're taken captive with the words out of your mouth. This is not me talking. It's the Holy Spirit talking. In the book of Proverbs, said you're snared by the words of your mouth. You're taken captive to circumstances, situations, with the words out of your mouth. And, you know, I, I like something I heard Dr. Lester Summerall say way back years ago that always stuck with me. He said, my happiness is not based upon the trash that's in your mouth about me. He said, my happiness is based upon what's in my mind, what I think, what I say about me. So he said, but that trash comes my way. He said, I thought the garbage can. And so I suggest to you, when those wrong thoughts come your way about you, or people talking trash about you, just say, Lord, I throw that in the spiritual garbage can. I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to say it. That's in the garbage can. And just tell the devil, devil, take those ugly thoughts and go. I'm not going to speak them out of my mouth. I'm going to say what God says about me. Amen? So we need to know that we cannot let people bring us into captivity by saying ugly things or posting things about us that we let get in as we begin to say too. Because every time you begin to pick up on the garbage yourself and grab it, you bought it for you. And you know what? Proverbs 6, 2, then come to pass in your life. You become snared and captive out of your words. Amen. So we're going to show you today how to reverse the curse, if you will. And so I remember the title of a mini book I read years ago. I don't know if we got in our bookstore or not. It was called Hung by the Tongue. Hung by the Tongue. As spiritually speaking... It's a spiritual law. Your tongue can give you great success in life, or your tongue can hold you back in life. And so anyway, your words will make you or break you. Your own words will make you or break you. And you know, you think about how many here at some point in time received Jesus as your Savior, you got born again, how many here? Raise your hand if you have Jesus your Savior. He lives in your heart. You know it. Amen. Did that happen because you thought it? Or did that happen because you said it? How many people, how many people have ever been in a good church service where there's an altar call to receive Jesus? Or somebody on television or somebody was preaching, talking about Jesus, and they said, if you want to receive Jesus right now, 
say this little prayer with me. How many people have ever said and thought, well, I'd like to say that. Oh, I wish I could say that, but they never said it. They didn't get it. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 10 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. It says, With your heart you believe, a confession is made unto salvation. What you say is what you get. Romans 10 23 says, Whosoever shall call upon the Lord, not whosoever shall think about the Lord, whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. And so we have to know that our tongue, our words, will make us or break us. Our walk with Jesus Christ started by what we believed and what we said. We said, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. Jesus, I believe that if I confess you as my Lord and repent of my past life, that I'll be saved because the Bible says so. And so, Lord, I've called upon your name now. Please forgive me and help me turn my life around. Well, because you did what the Bible said to did with your heart and with your mouth, then you're saved. And so we're going to look at the Word of God about how this applies to every area of our life. So anyway, your words will make you or break you. Your words will put you over or put you under. Your words will put you over or put you under. Your words will bring victory or defeat into your life. Your words will bring victory or defeat into your life. We're going to look at some really, really pertinent verses today. But let me give you a clue, a flashback to your past week. I want you to think about this past week. Challenges you faced and things that happened. Then I want to make this statement to you. As soon as you said, I can't, you stopped it. You couldn't. As soon as you said, it'll never happen for me, you shut the flow of the power of God off and it'll never happen for you because you're the one, you're the one that's going to control what happens in your life. As soon as you said, nobody likes me, changed everything. As soon as you said, I'll never get it, You'll never get it. Just have a flashback this past week of some things you faced this week and what you said. Based upon the holy written word of God, you are snared by the words of your mouth. And look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And, you know, I really hope you got a pen out in your filling in blanks, writing down scripture verses, writing down notes and doing things, and take them home with you. And, you know, I I just want to say about this modern technology age we live in, Facebook can be a real blessing if you put good stuff on there and you purpose to read good stuff. And then if you find out somebody on there that's all the time causing strife and discord and trouble and things like that, unfollow them. Unfriend them if you want to. But do something. Quit putting that garbage into you. You know, I think about James 3.16. James 3.16 says where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. So if you got somebody all the time just getting you mad at them, quit reading their junk. (laughs) 
That's a freebie. That's not even the notes. That's just for you. But you need to watch out what you feed on. So Proverbs 18.21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. That word power there means authority. means authority. And so if somebody's got power over you, that means either one thing, either there's somebody that has authority or there's somebody you've given authority to in your life to speak into your life. And, you know, how many know that the policeman out there that turns that red light on, that siren on, pulls you over, he's got power in your life. He's got authority in your life. You better yield to him because he has power. He has authority. And, you know, I think about the schools, the teachers, the principals, and things like that. They have authority in the lives of those children, their powers, their authorities in the life. Well, the Bible says right here, not the pastor, I'm telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says death and life is the power of your own tongue. In other words, your tongue is the authority in your life. It says death and life. Death and life. Did you notice it says death first? And then life second. You know why that is? In the Garden of Eden, when the serpent came in and tempted and deceived Adam and Eve, and they fell from grace, they were separated from God, then the nature of death came to the spirit of man. Death is the negative. Death is the Murphy's Law. Death is the thing. Well, if anything can go wrong, it will. Nothing ever goes right for me. Well, you heard that diagnosis. Well, you heard what the bank said. Well, you heard what they said. That's the negative. That's the death part. The death is, is negative, always everything going wrong. It says that's in the authority of your tongue. It's so much easier to speak death than life. Because the nature of man, the human race, the whole course of the human race is spinning away from God without God. When you get born again, has anybody ever seen any of the documentaries of a salmon? Swimming upstream to lay its eggs. A lot of the salmon don't make it. They're going against the current. Christians are going against the current of the world. We're swimming uphill now. All of nature, all of nature is going backwards. And when Christians receive Jesus, they begin to look up. Jesus said, look up. Your dips and draw nigh. The Bible says that heaven's up and hell's down. And so we as Christians have to know people around us that aren't saved, they don't know what it is to speak life because they don't have it in them. Christians that don't have their minds renewed don't know how to talk right. And so death and life is the power of the tongue. So what you love the most is what you're going to talk about the most. So when you begin to get your mind changed to think in line with God's word, you begin to speak life more than death. And that's a challenge to change yourself, to talk different. But he says, they that love it treat the fruit thereof. I found out a long time ago, I love peace and joy, and I hate depression. So I'm going to speak peace. I love healing and health. I don't like sore throats. I don't like runny noses. I don't like cancer. I don't like those things. Those are on the death side. And somebody said, well, you mean that you act like those things aren't there? No, they're there, but I'm in the body of Christ now. 
And in the body of Christ, he said in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is in me. I live under a different authority. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, makes us free from the law of sin and death. How many know what gravity is? That's the law. You can't deny it. It's there. And how many know that every time a helicopter or an airplane takes off, it defies the law of gravity? That's another law. It's called the law of lift. The law of lift defies the law of gravity when you use it. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will defy the law of sin and death, which is the cancers, the poverties, all the ugly things there are. When you begin to operate in a higher law, it'll put you above that law that's on the earth. The law of gravity point everybody down. The law of sin and death point everybody down. But the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus will pull you up above it. So we live above those things. We can live long. We can live strong. We can live healthy. We can live wealthy. And what do you mean by wealthy? I mean you can have more than enough wherever you're at. Does wealthy mean you're a millionaire? Well, if you live in Beverly Hills, you might have to be a millionaire. If you live in Barstow, California... You need some money to live above what's around you because poverty tries to knock at your door. And so wealthy or prosperity for the Bible sense is a relative term. That means wherever you are, you'll have more than enough to be a blessing and be blessed. Amen? And so that's what God wants for us as believers. But he says right here that death and the life is in the power of your tongue. Yeah, I like what Pastor Dave shared a while ago. That even, even in a bad economy, people that operate in biblical spiritual laws can live above a bad economy. And they can prosper. They can seed. They can succeed before they are. And so, you must control your tongue if you want to control the circumstances and direction of your life. You've got to learn to control your tongue. And we're going to talk about that, how to do that today, how to control your tongue, because... If death and life's in the power of your mouth, if you're snared by the words out of your mouth, you better learn how to control your mouth. Amen? Look at Mark chapter 11. And, you know, I know that uh, when I first got born again, Ronald Reagan was the, was the president that uh, got elected back then. But anyway, Ronald Reagan was called the great communicator. I remember hearing him call that. He was called the great communicator because he could get his message across to where people could understand it and want to buy into his message. Well, Jesus is the great communicator. Jesus tells us very plainly and very simply how to succeed in life. And so I want you to notice Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 23. And Jesus answered, saith unto them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Well, the literal translation says this, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. And there's plenty of verses that tell us that we get born again, we got the faith of God in our hearts. Our faith comes from His Word. We got His faith in our hearts. So have the faith of God means we've got what God has, it's in us. We're not God, we're not Jesus, but how many would agree the Bible says we're children of God? Sons and daughters of God. I was teasing Chuck a while ago about, about uh, little Adelita. I said, there's little Chucky Jr. She's a girl, but she looks like Chuck and she acts like Chuck. But she is pretty like her mommy, too. 
And so I know, I know that many of us that have children, our children act like us, and we don't think that's sacrilegious, or we don't think that's uh, being bolsters or anything like that. I want my kids to imitate my good traits. I want them to act like me, and it doesn't bother me when my kids act like me when I'm acting right. And I act right more and more all the time. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this. If you're a son of God, or if you're a daughter of God, then it doesn't bother God if you act like he acts with your faith. How many have ever read Genesis chapter 1? Four people this whole church read Genesis chapter 1. Wow. We have a Bible school just started last week called SMTI. It meets on Monday nights and. Dr. Barclay will be reading Genesis chapter 1 of the Bible school. So if you want to know what's in there, come to the Bible school. Let me ask that question again. How many have ever read Genesis chapter 1? Praise the Lord. How many know that in Genesis chapter 1, God's faith through God said this, Let there be light. God said that. And God said, Let there be light. And God said, Let every tree and every seed produce after its own kind. And God said... Let there be waters on the earth. And God said, let the fishes fill the seas. And God said, and God said, and God said. And then the Bible says, after all those God says, God said, and it was. God said, and it happened. God said, and it changed. Have the faith of God. If you're going to have the faith of God, you're going to use the faith of God, you're going to said. Wouldn't it be terrible? If God, if where it says that the Spirit of God brooded and the earth was full of darkness, if God would have said, dark, I'm scared. God didn't want dark. God wanted light. So God didn't say, oh, it's dark, it's so dark, it's getting darker. God said, no, I'm going to change this. I want light. He said, light be. And light was what the Hebrew says. How come then, if Christians that know verses like, snared by the words of your mouth, death lies a part of the tongue, we're poor and getting poorer. We're broke and getting broker. You heard what the president said. You heard what the bank said. You saw what the paper said. You heard what our neighbor said. Did you hear what the boss said? I heard what they said, but I know what God said. I'm going to stick with what God said. When God said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, I'm going to say God's rebuke the devourer for my sake. When God said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out my blessings upon you, I'm going to stick with what God said. When God said, I'll supply all your need according to my riches and glory, I'm sticking with what God said. Amen? And what am I doing? That's called having the faith of God, using the faith of God. Now then, in verse 23, Jesus tells us how that works. He says this, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Let me give you a clue about that first phrase right there that Jesus said. Jesus said, Whosoever. Whosoever. In my Bible, 
I circled that word whosoever, and right beside it, my Bible, I wrote, this means me, because I'm a whosoever. He's talking about me. Jesus did not say, this will work for you 12 apostles. If you 12 apostles die, this will never work again for anybody else. He was talking to 12 apostles, but he told those 12 apostles, I'm going to tell you spiritual laws, guy, guys. There's a spiritual law of how the faith of God works. That whosoever, that's what he's talking about you, he's talking about me. Whosoever shall say, he's telling you how this works. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, what's the mountain? It might be you need more money. It might need, it might be that you need healed or your child needs healed. It might be. You need a marriage or relationship restored and put back on solid ground. Whatever it might be, it's a mountain to you. It's a problem. And God's telling us right here through Jesus how to deal with these problems, these mountains. Shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. You've got to get a hold of this. When you were born again, your heart on the inside of you changed, not your dumb head. Not your feelings. Faith is in your heart, not your head. Jesus did not say, as shall not doubt in his head, or shall not feel like it. He said that when you say, and don't doubt in your heart, Faith will always work when doubts are hitting your head if you're speaking from your heart. You know, I think about little Davy, <laughs> otherwise known as Big Pastor Dave now. He's taller than I am. When little Davy was three and a half years old, he was crippled and had leukemia. And things didn't look too good. We were in a hospital, Children's Hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana, and David's case was serious enough. They had him in the room, glass room, right outside the nurse's station. This is back in 19, what was that, 1980, what, 5, 86? More than 85, so it would have been 87, 88, I guess. Man, that's been 30-some, you know, long time ago. Anyway, when he was in there, we were already healing teachers. I mean, we already operated that arena. We were in that area. But when your own son is crippled, well, he's in this room, and this is really back when computer stuff was just getting started. They got these big fancy, yeah, they wasn't like they are now, great big computer screen module things all over the whole room, about that big and thick like that, sticking out everywhere like that. He's got all these lines of wires and stuffs and widgets and gidgets and midgets and everything all over his body. And got the, got the nurse everybody monitoring everything like that. And they're telling me his percentages for living and he's crippled. You think my mind wasn't hit with doubt? <laughs> in that place without sleep, stand on God's word for his healing. But I tell you what, when I closed my eyes, I stepped to that arena of faith. When I quit looking at those wires, I quit looking at those little crippled legs. I quit looking at those, all those nurses, doctors running around. I quit looking at those computer screens. When I closed that, I would say things like this, Jesus I'm, going to be, I'm not going to be moved by what I see. In my heart, I believe what your word says, Jesus. 
In my heart, Lord, I believe when you said believers lay hands sick, they shall recover. Lord, I believe in my heart that's happening. And my head would be so full of doubt and hurting and things like that. And I would say things like this. I'd say, head, shut up. You don't rule me. I'd say, thoughts get out of here in the name of Jesus. The word of God's greater than the diagnosis. And I want to say something for faith people so you know. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. You don't go around saying, if you've got a bad diagnosis for you or somebody you love, you don't go around saying, they're not sick, they're not sick, they're not sick. That's not faith. That's denial. Faith says this. My son was diagnosed with whatever the big names were, leukemia. But hands have been laid on my son in the name of Jesus. And according to Mark 16, verse 17 and 18, when believers lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, they shall recover. So we're not denying what was diagnosed or what's going on. We're denying it's right to stay there and keep doing what it's doing. And so we confessed, we believed that he's recovering. And so we spoke recovery because Jesus said so. Did we have doubt in our heads? You don't know how we bombarded our heads. Did we have fear hitting us from the outside? You don't know what fear is like till you see something like that hitting us from the outside. But we didn't let it get on the inside. We kept it on the outside. And we confessed, we prayed, we believed. Within two weeks of diagnosis, the report was no cancer, mature blood cells. And he was walking and dancing, singing Jesus songs up and down the hallways of the hospital. It wasn't because we denied it. And so I want to say that again for some of you Christians that don't come to church enough to get a hold of how it works. Faith doesn't deny when you're having a financial attack. Faith doesn't deny when your children are in trouble. Faith changes what's going on by getting a hold of the Word of God, speaking it out of your mouth and holding on to it and operating in line with other principles of the Word of God too. Amen. Amen. Faith works by love. Faith works by love. Faith works obedience to God's word. There's other things that go along with it besides just the talking part, but this talking part's a big part of the faith walk. Amen? This helping anybody? Get a hold of this. God wants you to be able to have his best. It says, shall not doubt his heart, but look at this, but shall believe that those things which he saith, and I circled the saith, which he saith shall come to pass. Now look at this. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I circled that. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And so I want you to notice Jesus uses the word believe one time and say or saith three times. He emphasized the saying part more than the believing part. Jesus told a minister one time and talked to him about faith that his people aren't missing it with their faith, but they are with their words. They are with their words. Their words are annihilating their faith. Because they believe one thing, but they're saying another thing. And so Jesus emphasized, we've got to do three times as much talking about it as we do believing it. We've got to believe it, but we've got to speak it. So keep believing, but speak what you believe at every opportunity. Speak what you believe at every opportunity. Always make sure what you say is in line with the Word of God. Always make sure you're speaking in line with the Word of God. And I'll show you a good place to start. 
I want you to look at Philemon, not Philippians, Philemon, one little chapter right before the book of Hebrews. Philemon, verse 6, right before the book of Hebrews. And this is a good place to start in training yourself in how to talk right according to the Word of God. Philemon 6 says that the communication of your faith may become effectual or effective. How many want your faith to be effective? You want to get results. You want to do what it's supposed to do. It says, by the acknowledging of every evil thing you've ever done, by every bad thing you hate about yourself, by constantly talking about what a loser you are, how you can't do anything right, everything you touch is turns to a blank. Everything you touch is breaks. If it wasn't for bad luck, you'd have no luck at all. He says, if you want your faith to be effective, you've got to acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He says, you've got to acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And I want you to notice, right in the middle of that thing, it says no. You see, acknowledge, it says K-N-O-W right there. Acknowledge something means to talk about what you know. If you don't know something, you can't talk about it. You know, I think about, you know, we got so many different professionals in the church or different areas like that. Think about Nadine in real estate, Joe in real estate, anybody else real estate people, man. I've bought houses and I've sold houses. But all the stuff goes on to work about I don't know a lot about the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, so I can't talk about it. If I knew about it, I could talk about it. I can't because I'm ignorant. Think about Chuck, the great machine shop worker, and the welder, and all that kind of stuff. Man, I took welder in uh, high school back when JFK was around. I remember John F. Kennedy. I mean, a long time ago, I took welding. I welded a few things, and I could do what I had to do to get that teacher to say, hey, man, that looks like a pretty good bead there. It'd give me a C-plus or something on my welding test. I don't know enough about what to talk about it. I'm ignorant of it, so I can't talk about it. I go to professionals if I need help. And so... If you're going to be able to talk about the good things that's in you in Christ Jesus, you better go to the Bible written by God if I know what God says you are. You know, I remember back when I got saved, I was a truck driver, went to a lot of places. There's a popular little sign that was around back then that a lot of Christians put up on there. They had screensavers back then. They had them on screensavers. But it's a picture of a little kid out there talking. He said, I'm something because God makes no junk. That's a cute little thing, but that's the truth. If you're born again, you're not junk. If you're born again, you're not a loser. If you're born again, you're not an accident looking for a place to happen. If you're born again, God dare say it one time. I don't know if people still say this. They used to say this. I've never said it, but if you're saying it, this is a good time to stop. My kids were never rugrats. If you're calling your kids little rugrats... Or whatever the saying is, now quit doing it. Don't put those curses on your kids. I always called my kids, no matter what it looked like, or what they acted like, what the Word of God says, especially Psalms 127, Psalms 128, says children's are blessings of the Lord. He said the fruit of the womb is God's reward, and it's blessed. And so I would never, ever, 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 
call my kids anything less than what God calls them. God says they're blessed, so I call them blessed. And guess what? My kids every day turn out to be more and more blessings. We got kids all the way from 45 years old down to 26 years old. Eight of them. Lots of grandkids. And they're blessed. Why is that? Amen. Give the Lord a hand. They're blessed because Jesus said we'd have what we say. And so I said three times more than what I believed. I believed all the time my kids were blessings no matter what it looked like. And they were. And so he says here that for your faith to be effective, you've got to acknowledge, you've got to know, and you've got to talk about every good thing. And so have you ever heard the saying, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all? I want to take that to another level. Learn the language of silence. Learn the language of silence until you learn the language of faith. Learn the language of silence until you learn the language of faith. What's the language of faith? That's speaking in line with the Word of God. Until you can say, by His stripes I am healed. Has been laid on get better every day. Just learn to say something nice. Somebody asked you about a diagnosis. I know. What, I, let me tell you how this works. When he was diagnosed with acute lymphocytic or something, leukemia, I had to fill out insurance papers. I had to talk to doctors, medical technicians, come in and say, now, what is it going on for your son? I had to ask the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, how do I talk to these people? I've got to fill out these insurance papers. I've got to talk to these medical people. How do I talk if I believe... That he's recovering, getting better every day. And these guys want me to tell them what's going on. What do I say? As the Lord just told me, he said, say this. He was diagnosed with leukemia, whatever it is, leukemia. He was diagnosed with it. I didn't say he still had it. I said he was diagnosed with it. And so what was I saying? I was saying in their terms that I need to hear, but it didn't violate my faith to say he's getting better every day. I had to tell them the diagnosis. So in your life... You've got to learn. You don't go around talking the problem all the time, 24-7. You need to begin to recognize that you don't ignore the problem, but you've got to start talking the answer three times more than you're talking the problem. You understand what I'm saying? You can't deny if your business is bad, if your paycheck's not going far enough, you can't deny that you need more money. You can't deny you need more work. You can't deny you need more business. But instead of talking that negative all the time, the death part, start talking the life part. I'm a tither. Things are getting better every day. I got a better job. In Jesus' name, I got a better job. In Jesus' name, business is coming. In Jesus' name, business is coming. In Jesus' name, I'm getting blessed. I'm a blesser. I give to people. People are giving to me. Luke 6:38. Jesus said, give it, it shall be given. I'm a blesser. I'm not totally dependent on my paycheck only. I'm dependent on God. Because I'm looking at God, His covenant tells me I'm under the open windows of heaven. He poured out blessings on me that I'm going to receive it. I'm getting blessed from everywhere. Every time I turn around, I'm getting blessed. There's something good going on in my life every time I turn around. You're not denying there's been a problem going on, but you're starting to major now on the answer instead of the mountain. You know what you're saying when you say that? You're saying, mountain, you're removed. You're saying, mountain, you're not getting bigger. You're getting smaller. You're saying, mountain, you're going down. God's bigger than my mountain. Amen. Faith works 
by what you believe, by what you say. Death and life are the power of your tongue. You have to turn some things around. And so you acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And so what does the Bible say are the good things in you as a born-again child of God? I want to look at that card. Look at that card. It's going to be on the screen. I want to look at some of the good things that are in you in Christ Jesus. Mom, let me have one of those cards. But I just want to look at a few things in this. And this is a place where you can start and look these verses up. Those books I showed you out of the bookstore, that little Charles Cass book, God's Creative Power, has scriptures in there to show you how to confess them in first person about your marriage, about your home, about your children, about your job, about your finances, about your health, about everything in your life. But no, it says, never again, never again, never again. Proverbs 6, 2 Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. There's power in your words to kill, destroy, hurt, or to build up, uh, to help, encourage, and strengthen. And I, when, I, when I first got saved and didn't know anything about the Bible, I started reading this. I mean, to me, this was like a baby got a little jar of applesauce for the first time. I started to get something besides milk. I am starting to realize, man, there's more to life than what I've seen. Ephesians 4.29, I remember the first time I saw this. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. Though such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. Wow. Only such speech as is good, husbands, to the spiritual progress of your wife and your children. And mom... Only such speech is good and beneficial spiritual progress of your husband or your children. As is fitting to the need and the occasion, that may, it may be a blessing and give grace to those who hear it. How many want more grace in your home? How many want more grace on your job? How many want more grace in your neighborhood? It says you start speaking things then. You're going to release the grace of God, the blessing of God in your home. You know, I think about my wife and I, talking to somebody the other day about our life. We're together 24-7, and in our marriage and in our home, we have to to talk to each other. Man, we have a lot of little jabs going on all the time. But we're not serious about stuff. We don't, I don't put bad stuff on her. I tell her every day how she's just as beautiful now as she was the day I met her. I tell her every day how pretty she is. I tell her every day about what a woman, what a woman of God she is. I tell her every day she's my favorite lady preacher. I tell her things like this every day. Are there ever days that you want to say something different? Yeah, there is, because the devil's out there hitting my head with stuff sometimes. You know, I make I make little dumb, stupid things, jokes with her about blonde and stuff like that. But I'm not like a mean person that goes around making something makes somebody stupid. We just have fun and then I say something. Man, you had a blonde moment. Oh, watch out, we've got mostly black-headed people here, so I'm okay. But, no, I'm just saying that we have fun in life. We're not, we're not in bondage where we can't talk and have a good time. But we never, ever, 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 we don't hit each other, knock each other out. We have fun in life. together together 24-7, man. You're going to walk around with gray tape on your mouth, or you're going to have fun. So we speak the language of faith. But looking through this, you go through here, and... As, as, you, as you're reading this card, let this, some of the stuff get in you. Never again will I confess I can't. 
For I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Never again will I confess unmet needs or poverty, for my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. Philippians 4.19 Never again will I confess fear, for God does not give me the spirit of fear, but a power to love and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 That's how you begin to get the Word of God in your heart in your mind, to come out of your mouth. And when you do, you'll quit being snared by the words out of your mouth. Did you hear what I said a while ago about my son got diagnosed? I was getting bombarded with fear on the outside. But God didn't give me the spirit of fear on the inside. And so I let Jesus on the inside work on my outside to take care of that fear on the outside. Look on the back side. Daily confession. I remember doing this every day. For a season, when I first got born again, changed me. I would pull this card out and look at it, and I would say, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe my heart that God raised from the dead, therefore I'm saved. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things become new. I have a new Father in heaven. I have new life ever. Well, I'm getting blessed right now. I don't know about you. I have a new Father in heaven. Hallelujah. I have new life, everlasting life, delivered out of the power of darkness. Translate the kingdom of God's dear son. I'm accepted and beloved. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. As you begin to do that, let me ask you this. How could you stay depressed? How could you fall for Satan's lies that you're not really saved? How could you fall for that stuff that, that I don't know what I'm going to do? You start doing things like this here. What are you doing? You're taking the snare off of your life. You're causing mountains to be removed. You're changing things. This is so simple to do. You know, I'll I, I, I give you a dare challenge. Either on your smartphone or on a piece of paper, start writing down and timing how much time you look at Facebook on that thing and write down how many minutes you are in there. Start writing down how much time you spent on some of those other things on there that's on your phone. And then write down beside that in a parallel column how much time you spend confessing the Word of God either off something like this or a Bible verse you wrote down. And you can pair them and just get a picture of a scales. Have you ever seen those old-fashioned scales they used to weigh stuff with? You got the two little pads and they go up and down like that. You weigh them out and see how much dumb time on the phone compares to say it's the spiritual things. And then you're going to find out how come your life is full of snares and traps. Amen. Mrs. Pastor, would you be glad to relieve me of duty now so I can get ready for water baptism? Well, you can read some if you want to. i got to go get dressed appropriately. I can't get in there in these clothes. I know. Okay, I think this thing's so cool. <laughs> he wants me to do the altar call right now. But I want to finish reading this thing. It's so good. When I was redoing these today, I, just, I mean uh, yesterday, I was, uh, boy, I was get, just getting so excited because you can't help but read this thing and just get all fired up in your spirit. It says, uh, oh, da, 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 da. let me find out where he left off. Uh, last one here says, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow, that's a good news. Amen. It says, I have new power. I have power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. I have power to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ. All my sins are forgiven. All my diseases are healed. My life is preserved and strong in God. I am covered with his mercy. I'm not afraid. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I fear not, for thou art with me. I am not dismayed, for thou art my God. Thou art helping me and holding me and strengthening me. 
You have not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I have the spirit of power within me. I have the spirit of love within me. I have the spirit of a sound mind within me. Over me is the blood of the Lamb. The Lord goes before me. Jesus is in me. The angel of the Lord encamps around me. Underneath me are the everlasting arms of God. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Is this good stuff or what? says, I confess this is a good day. I'm healed today. I'm filled with the love of God today. I'm filled with the peace of God today. I'm filled with the wisdom of God today. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit today. These are all mine today. I will rejoice that all my family are coming into the, into the fold of God. This is my confession. I say it boldly in front of the devil, the angels, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God my Father. I thank you, Father. I have what I say. My confession rises before thee based on thy word. Jesus is the high priest of my confession. He makes it a good day. Thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Isn't that good stuff? Man, alive. You just can't help but getting pumped up on that stuff. Okay, well, Pastor Armina, Joshi, if you want to go up there.